0: It's Wednesday, March 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker, and from Motley Fool One, Brian White. Happy Wednesday, gentlemen. Good to see you. Thank Pretty you. Uh, we've got some earnings news we're gonna get to. Bob Evans, Smith and Wesson, and we're gonna talk about the potential for investing in one of the growing trends of the last couple of years. And I'm referring, of course, to marijuana. But let's start with Bob Evans. Uh, The third quarter results, they came in lower than expected. They lowered guidance. uh, And I guess maybe not a surprise, Brian, when you consider that, look, we've talked about this before. There are a lot of companies out there that are blaming the weather. I think in the case of Bob Evans, when you look at where their locations are in the U.S. and the highest concentration – is the northern Midwest, which has just gotten pummeled by this winter. Maybe not a surprise. Uh, All that being said, the share's down about 8% this morning so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, they already said that uh, it looks like their February same-store sales will be down almost 7%. So it looks like it's going to continue on, and that's probably, you know, the main driver of uh, lowering your outlook. Uh, You know, the weather is... The weather is legit. We've talked about this before, Chris. I mean, it, it, this is one of the times, one year, where actually, you know, the, le- the, le- the weather story is a legit story. There was also some, you know, Bob Evans had some cost issues, but the primary factor was traffic. You know, the weather has just reduced their traffic flow.
0: I'm a little surprised at the performance of this stock. Obviously, it's not having a great day, but you look over the last one, two, five years, it has been a market-beating stock And I guess the reason I'm surprised by that is I don't think of Bob Evans as having the healthiest menu in the world. It it does seem to be a little bit of an outlier against the growing trend over the last decade or so of healthier eating or the rise of organics, that sort of thing. What am I to conclude from that? Are they just really good operators? Because that's that's the first thing I went to was, well, they must be doing a really good job of executing – because it's certainly not—they're certainly not making a play towards the rise of organics.
2: Yeah, not—not not really. Your your analysis is is not really accurate.
0: Okay, okay.
2: I mean, basically, it's L- long-time fun- <laughs> listeners
0: are completely unsurprised.
2: <laughs> it's really sort of a function of uh, the restaurant group as a whole uh, having had a very good four or five-year run. It it has uh, basically tracked restaurant stocks, sort of outperforming out uh, of two of the last four or five years and, and underperforming in the others. Uh, all of which has actually made it a reasonably consistent performer as a stock and as, as you actually somehow stumbled upon um, one fact correctly, a market beating uh, <laughs> stock, but not, not really a sector beating stock. So you know give some of the credit to, to restaurants as a whole uh, and the run that they've had. And, and you know you're talking about blaming the, you know, the weather. I I mean, we were here in DC. We were all snowed in again on Monday, right? Um, You know, I myself, probably you, planning on going to Bob Evans two or three times that day, and (laughs) and was unable to, and
0: that's that's going to hurt their comps. Have you ever eaten at a Bob Evans? No, No, I don't.
2: I maybe once, maybe. I, I mean, I don't. You don't have any like research on me on this one, do you? Because I don't want to. I don't want to say anything <laughs> false.
0: No, no, no. But I was just. I mean, possible. because I've do, driven
2: they, across the country a few times, and it's when you're in my experience, when you're doing that, that you are are more likely to be around Bob Evans than in our normal uh, daily life here in Alexandria. Right? They do stand out,
0: you know, when you're driving. They yeah. Whoever's picking their location seems to be doing a pretty like good a job. Big red barn.
2: And you know, I haven't. I haven't. I think seen a Bob Evans commercial in maybe 20 years but uh, the jingle still you know resonates I'm unfamiliar with the jingle Down on the Farm?
0: Down on the Farm I, I don't know this. Can, I mean, can you hum a few bars? I
2: wouldn't inflict that on your listeners, right. you know, my humming or singing. Maybe but we'll th- s- some of them will know, and they'll they'll hear it in their minds and be grateful that they weren't subjected to hearing me try to do it.
0: Maybe we'll see if we can get Ann to find the Bob Evans jingle, maybe tack, on it on, sure. tack it on. I mean, on that's that's the whole thing. At the end of Market Bob forward. Evans, down on the farm. Uh, let's move on to Smith & Wesson. Shares up more than 17% this morning. After third quarter earnings came in higher than expected, they raised guidance. Bill, I believe this is a company you've uh, watched in the past. Uh, It really seems like a great quarter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, part of this and part of the market reaction is the fact that the stock was uh, down quite a bit in light of uh, both Cabela's uh, earnings report and guidance on how gun sales were going there, um, and Sturman Ruger having had a very uh, poor quarter, and, and, you know, uh Smith and Wesson seems to be outperforming its competition in that regard and is now kind of returned to the price it started the year at uh which is not not too bad um but not not really uh you know a tremendous year so far for the stock but it's it's had a pretty good run over the last five years.
0: Is this just not a particularly large industry when you're looking at market cap because the one the one thing that stood out to me when I was looking over some of the numbers this morning was that Smith & Wesson's market cap is somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 million and I don't know if I had a particular number in my mind I but my initial reaction was I was surprised that this was a company that was in terms of market cap less than a billion dollars and maybe it's just because the the brand of Smith & Wesson is pretty well known maybe ar- arguably the best known uh it, thanks to, among others, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Um, but is this just not a particularly large industry?
2: It's not a, a particularly large industry in the, the public markets. I mean, Smith & Wesson, this is a stock that visits lots and lots of interesting prices uh, over over long periods of time. And it is as capable of throwing in a, a, a year where it loses sixty percent of its value, as as it is capable of, of doubling or tripling in price in one year, and, and this reflects a lot of sentiment about what the politics are going to be, which is a very hard thing to pr- predict. It, you know, it seemed um, this is awful, but one of, one of the best things for Smith and Wesson is, are all the horrific shootings that have occurred uh which get a lot of publicity and lead a lot of people to uh anticipate that there will be you know at, at last uh some sort of regulation that would address handgun sales uh and there is not uh currently you know political uh will or ability or or choice uh, to do anything uh that that actually does change the regulations and therefore all the sales that are generated by people thinking they need to get their guns right now because this is the event that is finally going to you know bring down uh new legislation um it it has not so far changed any of the regulations and so you get all these surges in in gun purchases uh and you know that you can still buy them um and people haven't bought all that they think they need yet brian what do you
1: think yeah, I mean, I'm no expert in, you know, the gun industry, but I would imagine <clears throat> it's difficult to come into this market. Smith & Wesson, Sturman Ruger have pretty um, recognizable brands. Uh, it, you know, to to try to grow into a business, it would be tough to break in. I am also surprised, Chris, at the market cap, you know, of, of probably the company with the best brand out there. Um, I'm surprised, too,
0: and I'm not sure what's behind that. Two stories both involving marijuana, caught my eye this morning. Um, one is that the city council in Washington, D.C. voted 10 to 1 to, to decriminalize marijuana. Um, what had previously been the potential for a one-year jail sentence for possession of less than one ounce of marijuana has now been knocked down to a $25 fine. And the other story was something in the New York Business Journal about how medical marijuana ads are now going to start running on television. And I saw both these stories and I wanted to get your opinions on this because this seems like a growing trend and trying to look at this as an investor, I have to believe that over the next 10 years, there's going to be one or more publicly traded company connected to the marijuana industry that is going to be a big winner. And I, I, I don't want to say it's going to be the Philip Morris of marijuana, but let's just let's just start with that. Why wouldn't a Philip Morris? Why wouldn't a tobacco company, one of the big tobacco companies, and those stocks have done well over the last twenty, thirty years? First and foremost, why wouldn't one of them look at this industry and say we've got to be involved here? Um, one, do you think that will happen? And two. To my first point, do you think that there will be a big winner?
2: I I think there will be big winners. I mean, you gave yourself enough room here that there <laughs> over the next ten years there would be one or more big winners. I mean, I'm going to go with you. Thank I'm going to take at least one winner over the next ten years in the marijuana. Space. I'm casting
0: as totally. That was <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm casting as wide <laughs> net <that> as possible.
2: <laughs> but let, let's let's say over the next twenty years, just to make sure. Um, no, I, th- I think you're right. And no, I don't think it's going to be Philip Morris, uh, at least no time soon, because you've got to straighten out the federal regulations on this. I mean, there are no guarantees that the, uh, you know, the feds are not going to crack down on what the states are decriminalizing. There There is a difference in the in the treatment uh, under the federal laws. And Philip Morris has too much to lose to go after some you know, small today, small segment of, of that market uh, compared to all of the money they have and all of the, you know, people who would love to find something to go after Philip Morris for. Uh, so it's going to be a smaller player with a lot less to lose who will take the steps today that might lead to being a, a very big player. I think Philip Morris is is just... I'm sure monitoring the, the, uh, the laws and um, probably behind the scenes lobbying in one form or another. Uh, but uh, I don't think you're going to see that
0: on their balance sheet anytime soon. Is it likely to be a producer of marijuana? Is it likely to be some, uh, some sort of middleman t- distributor? Um, it, it, again, it, it seems like – I agree with everything you said about f- federal legislation – and yet, when you look at all of the states that are actively considering legislation that Colorado has already passed,
2: right? You are, but, uh, you've
0: got at least a third—you know, maybe upwards of, of half—the states that you, are looking you, at this. You
2: see the the potential riches, and then you think, well, but what if there is a Republican in the White House in two years, and what is he or she going to do about you know those laws? Is is are they going to? Is that administration? Which may or may not occur, but let's call it a fifty percent chance. Uh, going to be as you know forgiving about enforcing current actual laws. We're not even talking about bringing new laws onto the books; just yeah. enforcing the ones that are there uh, from the federal side. And you know, I, I don't think that the Republican candidate is likely to run on a pro marijuana you know um, ticket. You know that that's could be wrong but I, I think you'll probably see this as an election issue
1: yeah regulations hold down industries stocks within industries we saw it in healthcare. um this is obviously going to be one where if you can crack the nut on how that's going to play out you know then you then you, then you all of a sudden you start looking at potential candidates and i would say you could imagine there's going to be a Pretty profitable business. The margins should be relatively attractive. The margins should be great.
2: Yeah. Oh my god!
0: I was just yeah. going to say. I mean, just to get into the numbers yeah. a little bit. Whatever the margins are on tobacco, I'm guessing the margins on marijuana are probably better.
2: But in, in and of course, the reason for that is not right because here. of any agricultural you know rule in the, in the difficulty. It's just because of the regulations and the you know w- the risks you are taking by being part of that business. You need to be compensated. Uh, so. Uh, you know it, it there is no reason in fact it's easier isn't it
1: brian you look no, like somebody who would
2: know it, it's easier <laughs> to grow marijuana because it's called a weed for well that's reason, what i was gonna right? say you I don't mean,
1: have to source from some other country and have it shipped over i mean unless you're i don't know maybe 10 years down the road if you have you someone could, that's
2: huge you could grow but, more marijuana by the end of this year than tobacco is my my guess absolutely yeah in his yeah. backyard Really, anyway. here uh, in the, in the studio, you <laughs> could grow it here in the studio. <laughs> could you grow? Well, that's t- the
0: other thing. Could you, you grow could tobacco in the studio?
2: What do you know about that, I'm Chris? Sure. It's your studio.
0: Um, it's not my studio. I just spend a lot of time here. But yeah, we do have the room. I'm thinking if we could carved out a little corner. Obviously, we'd need little our, our, we need to check be a little science experiment. We need to check with our legal tobacco. department. There are there yeah, are some
1: really really thinly traded like small cap yeah. companies to be aware of and or to be you know to i wouldn't necessarily jump all over those. <laughs> well be, be the, very yeah, I wary. mean to,
0: to bring it back to investing there there are publicly traded marijuana stocks, yeah. almost all of them are what we would classify as penny stocks yes they 're yeah. trading for <clears throat> a dollar or less. they are very thinly traded, uh, but I do think that uh, we'll see at least a couple of these break out over the next few years, although Brian, as you and I were talking about earlier this morning, there is still the st- the stigma attached to it. And here's a specific example from Colorado. Uh, and I know this because one of my daughters is a Girl Scout and it is Girl Scout cookie season. Apparently, the head of uh, or some someone connected to the Girl Scouts in Colorado sent out a, uh, an email to all of the local troops in Colorado saying, please don't set up your Girl Scout cookie stands. In front of the pot shops, because you'll win. I know, right? <laughs> because yeah, it's I mean, cheater. Don't be smart. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They would absolutely make a mint selling cookies in yeah. front of a marijuana shop, and yet there is still that stigma that says no, no, no. We don't. We at least in terms of the Girl Scouts in Colorado and the state organization, they're saying no, no, no. We don't want that association. So there is still that to consider.
1: Chris, I think the category has a future. I mean, besides the regulations that we can't predict right now, but it has a future because, I mean, in terms of acceptance is, I mean, if you got a core group in the baby boomer generation that, that it's sort of, you know, something they can relate to kind of, you know, relates to how they grew up and you can see acceptance. It's not a thing where you have a bunch of kids running around, you know, begging the adults to pass laws to accept this thing. It's, there's a, good core group in the baby boomer generation
2: yeah over the next 10 years i think you want to be long marijuana and short tobacco good call do you have a favorite
0: girl scout cookie
2: uh the, the, the peanut butter ones what are they you're, i think you're sort of an expert you've got a, <laughs> you've got a couple of girl scout
1: uh, who i very have many many boxes in yeah.
0: the trunk of my car <laughs> I think they're called Dosey Dose. The peanut butter ones. So those are really good. You, Brian? Thin Mints all day. Thin Mints. Yeah. Addictive. Thin Thin Mints are something like forty to forty five percent of all cookie sales. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's it it is it is the I I don't know what the stock equivalent is, but it is just just never bet against Thin Mints is the lesson there. And this year, for the first time in a long time, whoever is in charge of cookie innovation uh, for the Girl Scouts stuck to their guns and just said no 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 we're not because in years past they would come out with a new one they'd be like oh we have the thin mints and the dosi dose and we have all these do- and oh by the way here's our new boysenberry gluten-free crunch or you know or something that that I would always look at and say that's terrible nobody wants that please stop trying to innovate and i don't know if they listen to me i don't know if there's someone <laughs> at, at national headquarters who heard me rant about this a year or two ago but this year they didn't have new ones
2: I, I. It's possible it was you <laughs> behind this. I, it's, there's it's no. Po- sure, sure. That's one of the possibilities. There's, there's no way. There's, there's, no way. No, there's no way we can prove you are not <laughs> responsible.
0: I'm just glad that they just looked at the data and said, you know what? Whatever new cookie we roll out year after year never does well. Let's just stick Data's to the thing. Midst.
2: Is this going to pass the Chris Hill test? Uh, it's not even like, the Chris nah, Hill test. It's not going to pass it. So they –
0: Shut it down. It's the logic test. (laughs) Just, just stick with the thin mints, and and everyone's going to be happy. Brian White, Bill Barker, guys, thanks for being here. You, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Anne Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.